Um, if, if you have any questions, if you have any concerns, doubts, uh, challenges that you need addressed, please, um, you can come talk to me. I mentioned earlier the beauty of technology. You can text me. You can call me. Um, I can meet you here. I can meet you at coffee. Uh, I'm completely available to you because we, we would hate for anybody to uh, come here and walk out the doors um, with, without uh, that proclamation and love for Jesus Christ. Well, with that being said, as we turn back to Romans 6 and continue in our Truth Matters series, because truth does matter. And as much as we hope that everybody and all of us get to heaven, we, we just know that unfortunately that's not true. That there is a hell. There is a place marked for unrepentant sinners. And so we want to fight against that. We want to fight against that. Uh, last week we talked about uh, victimology and, and how so many people just want, want to be victims, want to claim victimhood. And, and as we see in the scriptures that, you, you know what, we're not called to be victims. We're called to be conquerors. As the scriptures say, we forget what lies behind. That includes that pile and mountain of sin. And we press on forward to what lies ahead. And that's the prize, the ultimate prize, the prize of heaven. And so we've been talking about uh, progressive Christianity. We've been talking about the, uh, the, the, the lies that have infiltrated the church. And so we want to make sure that we understand and know what the truth is. We see that the tie-in with progressive Christianity and, and the politics that we see in our day. Uh, we mentioned last week again with the victimology, and part of that is, is the blaming. Uh, when you're a victim, you blame others. You, you shift blame. Or worse than that, we, we see this, this giving in to sin. Uh, we're, we're all sinners, and so you know what? There's, there's just nothing I can do about that. I can't be perfectly holy like Jesus. And so we're just going to kind of throw down that grace trump card. But as we see here in Romans 6, may it never be that we would just give in to sin. No, we, we are imperfect. And that is why we require the blood of Christ. But we fight against that sin. And no, we're, we're not worthless and we're, we're not powerless. We're, we're not weak to conquer sin and its effects. In fact, we studied a couple weeks ago that we're called to, to faith works, right? That, that we combine our faith with our works, that, that there's action behind our faith. And so victory over sin isn't just like some, you know, mystical thing that just magically happens. Uh, it doesn't just happen. In fact, we, we studied a few months ago in, in Ephesians that, that we're in a spiritual battle. We're in a battle against the, the, the forces, against the schemes of, of the devil. And so we have, we're called to fight in that war. It, it's time to, to lace up our, 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 our boots and, and to put our, our armor on. It, it's wartime. It's wartime. And so some of the things that I was thinking through in preparation for this was, well, how does this, this process work if, if we're saved by faith, but we're at war? There, there seems to be confusion with that. that. If we're saved by grace, then there's, there's nothing that we do. Well, no, there's nothing that we do to gain grace. There's nothing that we can do to earn salvation. But there is a response to the grace. There is a response to that salvation. We see the process in John 16, 8, that the Holy Spirit comes. And while you were dead in your sins, the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin. The Holy Spirit, God, wakes you up. Like with Saul, the, 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 blind, the blindness, the, the scales are removed. We see in 2 Thessalonians 2, 
uh, verses 13 through 17, that the Holy Spirit saves us so that we can stand firm. The Holy Spirit doesn't save us so that we can be weak and give in. No, so that we can be strong. Stand firm. Again, part of the armor of God helps us to stand firm and be strong. Luke 15, 31 shows us the example of the, the prodigal son returning home and confessing his sins. There's a, there's a, a confession of sin and then a call to repentance. We've, we've been going over this for, for years. Matthew 4, 17, Jesus coming into town and, and proclaiming, repent, stop sinning. We just don't hear that anymore. We don't hear that we need to stop sinning. Romans 10 says, look, the process is simple. Accept Jesus. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was, was dead, buried, and rose again. That, that's, that part's simple. That confession is simple. But, but the bearing out of the fruit of that will be seen in your practice. Matthew 7 reminds us that we're to, to practice. We're to bear fruit. We should see fruit. Part of that process in Romans 1, 1 through 2 is, is that we need to, to, to change. We need to renew our minds. Not to be conformed to this world. We, we have to fight against this world, against the schemes of the devil, against the worldly forces, against the things that are being you know, preached to us. No, we're, we're, we're to, to change our minds, to conform them to God's ways, not the world's ways. And as our verse in the corner says, that, that if you love Jesus... If you love Jesus, don't, don't just say it. Do it. Obey. Keep his commandments. And so as children of God, we're, we're called to fight sin. We're, we're called to be sin fighters. Now, we, we, we know that, uh, you know, the devil's in the details, right? The devil creeps in there and, and whispers in your ear. Oh, that... Don't be legalistic. Don't, don't, don't be too strict. Right? You, you can't earn your way into heaven. True. But, but that doesn't mean that we, we don't follow the law. That doesn't mean that we're not obedient. In fact, we are called by Scripture over and over and over again. Ephesians 4.1, that we're called to walk. That's do. You're, you're called to walk by the Spirit. In a, in, a, in a manner worthy of the calling. In a ma- Think of it this way. In a manner worthy of the sacrifice. The Emmanuel, God with us. The triune Godhead. Christ himself came, lived on the earth, and died on the cross for you, for me. Walk in a manner worthy of that. See, truth matters. And truth, the truth of it is we're called to action. Action. We see action verbs over and over and over throughout Scripture. Not statements. Not, not, not poetical proclamations. We see action. Psalm 1 tells us in a different way how we're to walk. Don't walk. Right? Walk in a manner worthy. But Psalm 1, don't walk in the path of the wicked. What are you doing walking in the path of the wicked? Hanging out with the wicked. Standing with the sinners. In that cluster, in that group. Hanging out with the sinners. Sitting in the seat of mockers. People go and sit and listen to people mocking God. Mocking Christianity. Mocking the Bible. Where? Well, we see that first at schools. We see it in the workplace. We, we, we see it in politics. We see it everywhere. We see it in movie theaters. We, you're sitting in your home watching it on TV. Do not walk, stand, or sit. That's an action. Matthew 7 says we're, we're called to hear. 
to hear, to listen, and then to act. Not just hear. Remember James? Don't be a, a forgetful hearer. Don't be like somebody who looks in the mirror and then forgets what they saw. No, you, you're, you're called to action. Romans 12 gives us a whole list. And, and, and here, I'll, I'll, I'll read some. These are, again, statements of action. And I love the ending. It's the ending of Romans 12, 21 says, Do not, do not be overcome by evil. Which says what? You can overcome evil. So do not be overcome by it. You can fight evil. Do not be overcome by it. Don't do it. Don't let it happen. Instead, Romans 12, 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Love. Abhor what is evil. Hate evil. Hate evil. Hate evil. If you don't hate evil, learn how to hate evil. If you don't hate evil, you're allowing too many other things in your life that is making you too comfortable. We're, we're to abhor what is evil. I, I, I myself confess that that does something that, that I, 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 I struggle with. Am I hating this evil? Not the people, the evil. Am I entertaining evil in music and movies and TV and what I read? Instead, cling to what is good. Again, you're, you're called to cling, to hold on tight for dear life. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Hey, this isn't easy, is it? So we have each other. That's part of why we come to church, to meet like-minded people as iron sharpens iron so we can be locked in at the arm to be devoted to one another in brotherly, brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit. Again, action, serving the Lord, action, re rejoicing in hope, action, preserving in tribulation, action, devoted to prayer, action, contributing to the needs of the saints, action, practicing hospitality, action, Blessing those who persecute you. Bless those and curse not. Action. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Action. Weep with those who weep. Action. Be of the same mind towards one another and do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Can you confess that you may not know everything? Can you humble yourself and say, you know what? I, I have some things to learn. That, that, that's our first step when we come to the scriptures. You know what, Lord? Teach me. Teach me. I, I will change today if you say something that's different than what I believe, what I practice, what I do. Again, action. Verse 17. Never pay back evil for evil. Instead, respect what is right in the sight of all men. Do, do, you, do you get a sense here of, of a call? Of a call to do? Well, I, I also want us to know that we're called to fight. That, that we don't just lay back. And I don't mean with our fists and I don't mean with guns. I, I mean the spiritual battle that we're in. So today we want to look at four ways to fight sin. Four ways to fight sin. And as sin fighters... And so as sin fighters, we first, we identify with Christ. Second, we realize that there's a freedom from sin, freedom from sin. Third, we want to look at being slaves to obedience, slaves to obedience. And then finally, we recognize slaves that were slaves to righteousness, slaves to righteousness. So we fight sin by identifying with Christ, a freedom from sin, slaves to obedience, and slaves to righteousness. So turn back to Romans 6. Romans 6, back to verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? So, so the argument here is that, you know, you realize that and we see this in testimonies. We see this when we, when we hear about people's past lives and we go, wow, 
Look what the Lord has done in your life. Look how the Lord has transformed your life. Look at how the Lord has fixed you and, and brought you out of that terrible thing. And, and the idea here is that, well, if that was good, what if I did more stuff? And we could really see Jesus work. It sounds ludicrous, but another way to say it was, well, you know, if Jesus could save me from all this stuff well, and be glorified, then, then if I just leaked a little sin now and then, he, he'd still be honored and glorified. And the response is, no, may it never be. May it never be that we would continue in sin, that grace might increase. That, that's a lie. And the question then, verse 2, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Jesus Christ have been baptized into his death? See, that's what baptism is. When we talk about the, the water baptism, it's like, well, why do we do that? What's the point of it? It's that recognition. It's that reminder. It's the identification of what? Not water. It's the identification of the death the burial and the resurrection with Christ. When you get dunked under the water, it's, you're going into the grave. When you come out, you're, you're rising again. That's the picture of baptism. And so we've been baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So the first way we fight sin is we have to identify with Christ. Identify with Jesus. There's no way we continue in sin. Why? Because we're Christians. We're, we're, we're sons of God. We're, we're on Christ's team. We're on Jesus' team, Team Jesus. We're not on that team anymore. But, but I grew up there. But, but that's who I was, was, past tense. And so we see that, yes, God is, is, is amazing and God is, is awesome in transforming lives. But look, it's not cool that you just, you know, take his grace for granted. You know, we, we've gotten, again, this progressive Christianity, this progressive mind, mindset of, you know, and I, I've said it before, this kind of, you know, hippie Jesus of like, ah, Jesus is cool. He saves us all. It's all good, brah. You know, language has meaning. Um, and so the idea here is well i guess i i guess i can continue in my stealing ways and my thieving ways i guess i can continue in my adultery i guess i continue with my gossiping lying slanderous arrogant tongue i i guess i can continue in my my different addictions the answer to this is no way why because we died to sin cuz we're dead to it the picture is we were dead in our sins. Christ has made us alive in him. That is no longer. This idea and this mindset and part of what's driven us to this series, this series is you go into the church and you hear over and over and over Christians say, say, say things and identify with their past sin, with their past adjectives. I'm a gay Christian. I'm an alcoholic Christian. I'm a what? A gossiping Christian? A mur murdering Christian? An adulterous Christian? How, how come we've chosen to accept certain labels and in other ones we instantly recognize, well, that's not right? Because none of them are right. And the answer here is no, no, no. We put the past behind. We move forward to what lies ahead. And we have the power. We have the strength to do it in Christ. We identify with Christ. The, the ladies did a, a Bible study going through Acts. And one of the themes in Acts and one of the, the, the overarching things that's happening in Acts is this idea of the way. 
See, in Acts, the church is just starting. It's like the Jewish people and the Gentile people are now coming together and they're following this Jesus guy and everybody's looking around, well, what do we call this thing? They don't have a name. They're not, they don't call it Christianity or Christians and they're like, it's, it's, it's the way. Well, well, what way? Jesus's way, his way. So we identify with him, not with the world, with Jesus. And so how do we identify? Well, we identify through his, his burial, his, his, his resurrection. We're, 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 we identify with that, that baptism into his death. But it doesn't stop there. Why? Verse 4. So that we might walk in newness of life. Not oldness of life. Not past ways of life. New life. That, that's the, the, the beauty of the concept of being buried and raised, which means born again. We're born again Christians, dead to sin, alive in Christ. What, beautiful, what a beautiful phrase. And, and in the newness of life, and we become united with him, but in his likeness, not in how can I still be chummy with the world? How can I still be chummy with my old ways? No, you're, you're new. You know, we, don't, we, we, we all have, you know, old clothes and old, some of you have socks with holes in them and stains and you think by turning them inside out that that's going to be good. It's like, no, you, you get new socks, right? You, and then you don't put like the new socks over the old ones, see if they can mesh together. And then you throw the old ones away. You throw them away. Newness is a privilege, and see, that's one of the issues with this, this, this progressive Christianity is, is they've created so much confusion that their terms, and we've gone over this in previous sermons, their, their terms are, are aligned with the world's terms. These terms like addiction, illness, victim, th these are worldly terms. C Christians, we have different terms, and we'll talk about that. But we, we see that, that in the church that there's this desire to follow the ways of the world, to follow schools and higher education, science, psychology, philosophy. Who are you identifying with? This is why we're, well, we're going to talk about schools next week. The Trojan horse. We identify with Christ. So we fight sin by choosing his side. We choose him. We choose him, team Jesus. And so we're in his army. We're soldiers. Remember, onward Christian soldiers, right? We're soldiers for Christ, which means we don't plant flowers. We fight. We fight the spiritual batter. How? How? By following. The second way we fight sin is we, we recognize there's a freedom from sin. You, we have to recognize that, that we're free. Verse 6. And, and before I read this, look, the, the hardest thing about being a pastor is, 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 is counseling, is, is meeting people, that you love and you enjoy and they look so pretty and great on the outside and, and then they share their broken heart with you uh, of all the things that have gone wrong and the bad stuff and there's horrible bad stuff in this world. There's terrible things, unspeakable things that have happened to us in this room. So, so I don't minimize that at all. Not at all. In fact, it's because of that that, that we have to understand and recognize that we're free from it. Don't be in bondage to the past. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old self, the old person, was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with. Did you hear that? 
that our body of sin might be finished. Done away. Why? That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Yes, we were. We were slaves to sin. We, we were obedient to our master, the evil one. We followed the wicked ways. We did. We were. Past tense. Done away. Verse 7. For he who has died, Jesus died to free us, to set us free. It, it has the same context as imagine us all being locked in prison we're all locked in prison we're all shackled and and you know we we watch movies like rambo right rambo comes in and saves the day and everybody's saved well that's what jesus did but he died for it he was tortured for it he sacrificed for it he died to set us free from sin from sinning verse 8 now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him. Be born again. Verse 9, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. That's supposed to be in the past. For death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But that life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourself to be dead to sin. Because Jesus is dead to sin. Because Jesus died for sin. Because he only needed to do it once, unlike the bulls that were sacrificed month after month, year after year. No. Once for all. Even so, consider yourselves to be then dead to sin. Why? Because we identify with Christ. That's how we can be free from sin, but alive to God in Christ. Therefore, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. Don't let sin reign in your body. Don't obey its lusts. Fight them. Fight the lusts. Fight the temptation. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law. You're under grace. So we take the grace. We take the forgiveness. We take the releasing. And we live under grace. And we say, here I am, Lord. Now use me your way. Not my way. My way was sinful. My way was for destruction. Take my body. And, and let it be an offering to you. And so we fight sin by recognizing that we're free. We've, we've been crucified. We, we crucified ourselves, And so our unity is now with Christ. That old guy is dead and left on the cross. That allows us to no longer. We're, we're, we're not tied by sin. That, that great hymn. And can it be my chains fell off. My life set free. Well, be free. Not free to sin. Free to be obedient. Free to walk in the power and the likeness of Christ. To be rehabilitated. Why go backwards? Why go back? Why look back? Why think back? Why revel backwards? That's one of my biggest concerns with, with testimonies is, is we will see somebody today that we know and we love them so much and they're so dynamic and, and then they tell us about their past and, and it's hard not to tie in the past to the present and be like, well, he's cool and, and I love him and, and she's awesome and she ministers. And, and so, so in this story, we just kind of see this, this like oneness of this person. It's like, no, no, no. That, that, that they're two different people. And, and you have to make that, that line and that, that cutoff. Th this was a concern of mine at the school with the, the kids always loved the, 
the, the testimonies and the, the worse the life, the more they liked it. Why? Because that person standing in front of them today seems so cool and authentic. And it's a beautiful thing what the Lord does. And the Lord can change and fix anybody. It, it's incredible and it's awesome. But we have to be careful that we don't glorify that. And so we, we say, look, we're, we're dead to sin meaning what? Meaning we don't have to follow sin. The, these terms like, like addiction, right? Addiction is, has been laced by the world as something and, and, and mental illnesses that, that you can't help. It's like, it's like, well, you were born that way. You, you weren't born that way. In fact, you're, you're told here that you, you have to fight it. Even so, don't let that sin reign in your mortal body. How do we know it's sin? How do we know it's sin? How do you know I'm not just being critical or judgmental or I just have, this is my Piccadilly. My personal Piccadilly is, is I don't think that, 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 that drunkness is okay. Because the scriptures say it's not okay. The scripture is very clear. Drink, do not get drunk. It's, it's, it's very simple. Don't get drunk. Therefore, drunkenness becomes sin. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't obey its lusts. I, I don't have to redefine the terms. They're, they're right in front of us. We're using these ideas of, of, of mental illness, and we talked about this before, and, and I'm not talking about things like the, you know, diagnosable things like autism. I'm, I'm talking about things like, like well, I'm, I killed my family because I'm bipolar. No, you're not. You're evil. Don't do it. I mean, seriously, it's like, what? I, I, you're, you're, we would go over this. They're called teacher in-services with our, with our staff, right? And all our teachers would get together. And it's a crazy, amazing thing. Did you guys know that studies show that the middle school boys are, you know, they, they don't sit still. Yeah, they don't like to sit still. Uh, middle school boys... Uh, do don't like to be obedient. M middle school boys like to, you know, their their minds wander. It's like this isn't an illness. It's called middle school boy. <laughs> and so you go to the doctor, and the doctor goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, he's got it bad. <laughs> he he's got it really bad. He doesn't like sitting in a little box all day long in a little seat, listening to a teacher drone on about things he doesn't care." Give him some drugs. That'll perk him up. Well, guess what? It does. Drugs work, folks. Drugs work. They feel good and slow you down and perk you up. They do all those different things. That doesn't mean that's the solution. And so we, we ascribe these things. Uh, mental illness, I call it the jerk factor. Well, I'm not a jerk. I, I just got a mental illness. If you, if you really look at these things, you see it especially in schools. The kids have all kinds of different problems, and really it's just sin. Do not let sin reign as master. No, we're supposed to fight. Do we lust? Yes. Are we tempted? Yes. Do we have to give in? No. The scriptures promise us that God will not give us a temptation too great that we can't handle. You can handle it. You can say no. You can fight. You can fight. And so we don't let this sin. And, I, and the term here is, is reign. Therefore, do not, let, do not let sin be your king. Sin is not your king. Don't let sin reign. Don't let sin master you. And again, this is what I see in our world today that, that we allow like these, these oh, you need, you need counseling, right? No, you don't need counseling. You need the Bible. You need to read it and then obey it. You, you don't need a psychiatrist to, to walk you through your problems. You, you, you don't need uh, authors who are, who are just repeating old philosophies, old failed philosophies you don't need to listen to actors i love the actors they're the best ones you, you know most actors have never graduated high school right 
but they know everything because they played a role in a movie. It's unbelievable. But see, we let them reign in our minds. We let them reign in our lives. How? By listening to their music, by watching their movies, their TV shows, reading their books, all these self-help books. All of them are tied into worldly philosophies. We have a new master who set us free from the spell of sin. And he's empowered us to fight. So fight. The third way we fight sin is again by understanding we're slaves to obedience. Slaves to obedience. Verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? Look, we, we, we're, we're not under the old covenant, the old testament. We're not under the Mosaic covenant, right? We're, we're, we're under the new covenant, the covenant of, of grace. So can we keep sinning because of, of the new covenant? May it never be. No. Verse 16. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin. And, and, and don't ever forget this. Remember, sin is, is not a game. It's not a joke. So this is what infuriates me, that when we wash it away, or we're not going to use that term sin, we're just going to say, well, when you, when you maybe do wrong things or have a bad habit. No, look, it's It's sin. And the reason why we have to call it that is because there's a result. The result of that, the wages for sin are death. The consequence is what we see here in verse 7, uh, chapter 7, 16, is, is that you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which results in death. Don't sin. It leads to death, spiritual death, eternal death. Or you can be a slave's of obedience, which results in righteousness. And so we fight sin by recognizing that, that we are slaves, slaves to obedience. What does that mean? We talked about slavery in the, in the past, and this is the idea of being a bond servant, a, a willing slave, a willing one that says, I volunteer to serve you, master. I know there's probably some uh, Star Wars folks in this room. Pretty much almost everybody now. I just realized over the weekend, it's like, there's been like a crazy amount of Star Wars movies and things made. Well, one of my favorite scenes, not because I agree with it, but because it, it's so true. It's so true. It, it, it's the point where Anakin Skywalker... He's the young Jedi who's supposed to be the hope of everybody. He's going to save the universe, not just save America. He's going to save the universe from the galactic empire, from the evil one. And at that moment when he realizes, you know what I have to do in order to save the one person that I love? Totally opposite of Jesus. Jesus dies for everybody, sacrifices himself. Anakin says, forget everybody else. I just want to save my wife. But he, he does this powerful statement. And he stands before the emperor who reveals himself as the, the evil lord of the, of the galaxy, right? And he bows down on his knee. And he says, what is thy bidding, master? And from that point on, he's evil and wicked and does exactly what his master tells him. Why? Because he recognizes that he's all in. It's terrible. He just sold his soul to the devil. But it conjures up the idea, look, but you need to sell your soul to your Savior. You need to do the opposite of that. Bow the knee before the throne. What is thy bidding, Master? Not my bidding, not my desire, not what I want to do. Whatever you want me to do, I will follow to completion. That's what we have to understand. 
That's how we fight sin. We fight sin by putting our minds on Christ. See, we give in to sin because our minds are on ourselves. How do I please myself? How do I satisfy myself? How do I make myself, my favorite word, happy? We're not called to be happy. We're called to be obedient. And God will give you joy even in trials, right? James 1. But we're called to be obedient. And see, here's the cool thing. You know what? There, there's hope. There's consequences and punishments for those who are disobedient, resulting in death. But, but there's also hope in being a bondservant, a slave to Christ. I, I, I was thinking of the, the idea of transformation. I, and I remembered a, a great story that uh, I found probably eight years ago. And it was about this landfill harmonic. I used to try to send our teachers these inspirational videos. And there's this, this guy in Paraguay. And he had these students and he wanted to teach them music, but they're poor. They're dirt poor, had no money. So they went over to the local landfill and they got like cans and anything that they could muster together. And this guy made his students instruments from, from trash, from a, a rubbish heap. And these students got so good that they actually were playing as a, as a philharmonic orchestra you know, in, in London. It was beautiful, beautiful music. And it, and it reminded me of that transformation is real. And this is exactly what Christ does with us is he takes us out of the rubbish heap and, and he puts us back together again, but to be instruments for his glory, for his honor, to be slaves of obedience, slaves who obey, slaves who do instruments for God's glory, not for ourself, not for ourself. And so the fourth way that we fight sin and it ties into obedience, but it's, it's reflected in a different way. And we're, we're slaves of righteousness. We're slaves of righteousness. Righteousness is that, that freedom from guilt of sin as you stand before the judge. Slaves of obedience is we are obeying our Lord Master. Righteousness is, look, we're, we're free. We're, 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 we're guiltless as we stand before the judge. We, we are deemed righteous. So live like it. Act like it. Verse 18. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. You, you don't have a, a, a choice in the matter. You've just, you just been deemed by the judge. Pardon from your sin. Free. Go. Don't just go. Go and be a slave to righteousness, a defender of righteousness, a defender of holiness. Verse 19, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity, remember you used to be slaves to impurity. Impurity. You used to be slaves to lawlessness, resulting in more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, which the progress, the steps of that will result in sanctification. It is the sanctification process. Verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Yeah, you were free to sin because you were unrighteous. You're already on the highway to hell. Just keep on going. You're free to sin. But one more sin's not going to cost you any more. Verse 21. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed for the outcome of those things is death. See, when, when you were slaves of sin, you, you were free in regard to righteousness. You're not free anymore. Do you hear? You're not free to be unrighteous. You don't have that, that freedom. That's not okay. Not okay. Verse 21, therefore, what benefit do you have of doing the things that you were once ashamed of? Don't do the things that once caused shame. Verse 22, but now, having been free from sin and enslaved 
to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome. There are great outcomes. One of them being eternal life. How about that one? That's a good little perk, right? And then the great reminder, look, the wages of sin, what you earn, what you, if your life was, was, you know, think of Ebenezer Scrooge, right? Just sitting there, just writing down all your sins, just checking off all your sins on the ledger, in the book, sin after sin after sin. And you know what you earn after a lifetime of committing that sin? You earn death. That's what you earned. And one of the greatest statements in all mankind, in all scripture, verse 23, but, hold on a second, wait a second, hold on. But the free gift of God. So there's wages for sin, but the free gift of God is eternal life, not in you, not in your power, not in your strength, not because you're awesome, not because you serve the homeless or the poor, not because you're a big tither, not because you show up to church every day, not because you're the Iwana Bible verse champion. In Christ Jesus our Lord. In the Messiah, Jesus, he who saves our King. That, that, the, the name of Jesus has meaning. That, that's how this closes. That you have eternal life in the Messiah. That promised hope that, that the Jews were waiting to come. To come to what? To save them. Right? That, that Jesus, his name means he saves us. The Savior came to save us. The King came to save, save us. He is our Lord. He is our King. So we're slaves to be righteous. Not unrighteous. No. Not unrighteous. And so, we see things that help keep us from that freedom from sin and slaves to righteousness. It's no different than any other law. The, the local government sets laws, right? Here's speed limit. Drive, you know, 50, 55. They send you to training. They send you to school to teach you what the laws are so that there's no excuse. They put up warning. What, a, what sweethearts? They put up signs reminding you this is the limit. This is the limit. They'll even park right in the open. We're right here watching you. We all know where they're at. We know the little coves, right? They're, they're not really trying to hide it. They, they even do you the honor of punishing you. Here's a little ticket. Why? Because I don't want you to go 150 down Kent Kingley and kill a family or yourself. So here's a ticket to warn you. Then you get caught doing it three times. You know what? I need you to think about this. So we're going to put you in jail. And the goal is to prevent you and from death and others from death. The, the goal of being righteous is, look, here, here's the law. God has given us the law. We come to church and we teach the law. We teach you. We warn you so that you know what the law is. Our signs, you know, our Bible verses that we put up. They're, look, there's consequences for disobedience. Why? Because we don't want you to pay the ultimate price. And so the, the call then is to obey. Just drive the limit. There's flexibility within the limit, but drive the limit. There's a reason why there's a limit here. You want to go faster? Go to Germany. Go to the Autobahn. But the path of righteousness doesn't give us the freedom to sin. We don't have that right. We didn't have it under the law. And we especially don't have it under grace. Either way, we don't have the freedom. If we need to learn lessons from our, from our, our brothers and sisters in, in the scriptures, look, take the Joseph route. When you're confronted with sin and it's there, run! There's no shame in saying, I can't handle this. There's no shame in saying, I can't handle this. 
I'm too weak. I'm not strong enough. I need help. That's okay. That's okay. And if you have to run, you run. You sprint. You drop everything and go. Or we go the Jesus route when confronted by same self. When we use Scripture, you know what the sins that are 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 in your mind and and just attacking you on a daily basis. And the you know the voices that are in your head. Well, combat them with God's word. Put on your armor. Be be ready to fight with Scripture. Write down your memory verses. Be ready to throw them back at that little evil, wicked voice. It's okay. It's not okay. If I love Jesus, I keep his commandments. It's just a little temptation. No, I'm I'm not going to obey that temptation. Have your verses ready to go. And again, Ephesians, put your armor on. Be ready each and every day. First thing in the morning, if we were going out there to, to battle, you wouldn't walk out there in shorts and a tank top. I don't care how hot it is. You'd, you'd armor up. Full armor. Get your armor on. We're in a spiritual battle. That spiritual battle calls us to fight sin. This is why this is important. This is why understanding the truth is important because way too many false teachers and false preachers and false churches are saying it's okay. It's okay. Jesus saves us from all of it. Like just one broad stroke. In essence, just continue so that sin may increase. And we're just going to eliminate all the nasty verses that talk about the potential of sin resulting in in death and hell. And we'll just only talk about heaven and righteousness. A half a gospel, a partial gospel is not the gospel. It's a lie. We have an old term for it. It's called heresy. And we have to be on guard and aware. We have to be aware. Sin is real. Consequences are real. Hell is real. But God has a better plan. God has a better plan. And and, and if you've confessed with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you're part of that plan. So fight sin. Fight sin. I love my, my favorite football team is the USC Trojans. And, uh, they're getting ready for another season. But their, their fight song, I love their fight songs. Their, their slogan is fight on. Like you'll see that everywhere, right? But they forget the best part. It's the next statement. Fight on to victory. See, we have victory in Christ. We press on to the upward calling of the prize. Heaven. Sweet victory. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful that we have...